Welcome back to Verity Ed, where parents are primary. Today, I am joined by my favorite guest of all, Dr. <laughs> Todd Ahern. <laughs> um, so, yes, I'm joined by my husband. And it's today, good to be here. it is good to be here yeah. together. I like it. And so, today, we are going to do a special for all of you Patreon supporters and in gratitude for everything that you have done for us. We wanted to give you some access to exclusive footage Ooh. so you get to see the entire thing um, and thank you so much for your support of what we're trying to build here and we really are so grateful we can't even express it so thank you uh, so what we're going to do today is share a little bit more of our homeschool journey in the Ahern house um, how I got to hear and he got to hear and we've been married now for Almost, it'll be 18, 18 years, years this I year. Know. I know. I'm excited. I'm excited too. <laughs> that went fast. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's all these other people. So we, we've um, been married for 18 years. And how did we get to a place where the both of us wanted to uh, embark upon this adventure of homeschooling? Uh, we both grew up in New Hampshire in the same town. We did not date in high school. Everyone wants to say that. But we took very different paths to this conviction that homeschooling and classical education were the best for our family. Um, so I guess I'll start. Yeah. Because I always do. No. <laughs> uh, so when I, when I was in second grade, um, my parents were told by my second grade public school teacher that I would never be a writer. Uh, and that kind of sealed the deal on top of a host of other kind of just, just um, un unhappinesses. Is that's, I just burped or word or nouned or something uh, that, that they had with the school that I was in, uh, compounded with a desire for more family time and um, raising me in the faith. And so they made the decision, in spite of the fact that they knew of no other family in the entire town of Plymouth, New Hampshire, of 2,000 people at that point. It was huge. It was huge. Huge. <laughs> it was 2,000 2, people, and no one was homeschooling. But they took the plunge, and they made that decision for us. And if you want to hear more about that story from my mom's point of view, please check out my interview that I did with her, which was super fun. So back in 1989, this was about uh, homeschooling was still kind of a fringe thing, right? There weren't a lot of resources for my parents. Uh, what did you think about homeschoolers in 1989? It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. 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 Kind of weirdos, right? Yeah. In fact, did you know any homeschoolers? Like personally? Family, friends? No. We knew one family that kind of <laughs> had done yeah. some homeschooling, but um, yeah, definitely a fringe yeah, sort of Yeah, not a lot yeah. of experience with that. So I was blessed. I had a great experience of homeschooling. Um, my mom would basically order books from Christian book distributors. Uh, we were Protestant at the time. And uh, she would put together lesson plans based on her own knowledge and expertise. We were also blessed in that we had access to a state uh, university library right in town at Plymouth State University now, it's then PSC. And so we would go to the library and spend hours and hours of time. And my mom was really building this curriculum for us uh, herself based on sort of three elements that I can boil down. Uh, her conviction that education is, to, uh, the purpose of education is to raise well-formed human beings for lifelong learning. Um, children who knew that their lives were a gift from God, not and things aren't owed to us, but our lives are meant to give back 
to the world um, because God has given himself to us uh, and that education had a moral dimension to it. It wasn't just about, you know, reading whatever great classical literature or being able to, uh, you know, do STEM engineering, electrical engineering by the time you're a senior in high school. It was primarily about forming a person with a good, with a moral conscience and who acted accordingly. And that was the basis of her curriculum building. So from the way that she taught us, it was obvious that she understood that each of the children in our family, me and my two brothers, uh, came with our own strengths, our own weaknesses, and uh, she was called to meet us not as cogs in the wheel or as products that she was going to then present to the world, here are my perfectly homeschooled children, um, but that we were free individuals, individuals who were growing um, in our own stages of development, our own interests, our likes, our talents, and all that wonderful stuff. Um, I remember the living books, uh, poetry, uh, slow and steady approach. I remember hours out in the woods, a lot of alone time. So yeah. there was that element of different, homeschoolers are different. Like mm -hmm. I spent a lot of alone time. I vaguely remember textbooks and tests, but I vividly remember um, playing in the woods, soccer, skiing, um, just reading buckets and buckets of historical fiction, choir, children's theater. So I really had this great, well-rounded experience um, of homeschooling. That being said, and this is a special Patreon secret, I was such a puke in seventh grade that I got kicked out of homeschooling. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was, I was obnoxious. I was talking back. And I was like, I don't want to homeschool. So my parents were like, fine, you can go to Catholic school for a year. <laughs> and I did. Um, yeah, so just, it wasn't really kicked out. It's a little more nuanced than that, but not much. How'd that go for uh, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still working through it, obviously. <laughs> this is a little therapeutic for me, so thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I went to eighth, uh, eighth grade Catholic school, did really well. A mm -hmm. um, little awkward socially, probably. And then I went to public high school, uh, and that's where I met Dr. Ahern, Here who I was am. not a doctor in high school. No. Uh, no, he was not. But it was good. I had some great teachers. We, we had some great teachers, mm -hmm. um, mentors, uh, Mr. Gulick in AP U.S. History, Mrs. Koshin in English, English right? I mean, grade, tenth, yeah. it was 10th grade. And I, man, you learned how to write uh, Mrs. Bunkley, yep. Sarah Bunkley in theater. Great mentor for both of us. And, and in all, I had a great public school experience. Uh, I didn't really have any, you know, close friends. I was lonely. Um, I didn't really share an experience with my peers of my childhood. I didn't have like 80s nostalgia because I'd kind of skipped the 80s right. being up on the hill in New Hampshire. Uh, might not have been a bad thing. It might not have been a bad thing. So I didn't really share an intellectual life with anyone uh, except maybe teachers and with you. Hey. We found a lot to talk about. We did and yes. argue about. And argue. We yes. argued a lot. We argued a lot. Um, yeah, and well, you'll talk about that in a yeah. few moments when we get to your story. But it's, it's my time to shine right yes, now. Yes, it is. Yeah, so. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we argued a lot. We talked a lot. Um, and to get along in that environment, I definitely had to label myself in my own own mind and to other people um, I'm the smart one uh, you know I'm nice and that's you know just kind of you smart like nice super Catholic and super Catholic yeah. right like yeah. that's who I was and that was my label and it helped me get along uh, in a way that I could just kind of laugh off the deep divisions or the lack of friendship that I had in high school um, there were other I mean I was friends with people but that deep connection 
um, didn't really help, and that's okay. Um, I loved them all very much, and they all helped me to think and to grow and to challenge my own convictions um, until I dug deep and I realized uh, and I really made my own that conviction that um, there's one purpose in life and that is to live and to die well uh, because we're all going to die. Kind of a yeah. morbid thing for a 15-year-old to be convicting herself about, but you know. Um, and that there's one purpose to all this education business, uh, to prepare yourself to live nobly and to die nobly, to die well. And so by the time I was out of high school, I wanted to homeschool my kids because much of what I saw in high school was this, that my peers who had spent so many years in elementary school together often dragged each other down to the lowest common denominator, whether it was intellectually, emotionally, um, socially, behaviorally. It was rare that I saw these kids who were so tight-knit inspire each other to grow in self-control um, or encourage even inclusion of shy or awkward kids who were different or lived outside of you know, the cool kid club. And it was a rare thing. I had friends who did that, but it was rare. Um, and even to speak well of annoying students. I mean, right. it was a lot of gossip and uh, it was rare. It was really, what I wanted to see was friends who would read The Lord of the Flies yeah. and it would change how they acted, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like you should read books and it should change you behavior, like it should make you better. And I just didn't see that. I saw, we all read Lord of the Flies and, you know, I was in the honors cohort, so fun. It was like, you know, good discussion. And then we would go out and like, they'd all go drink and smoke pot and, or they just, you know, it wouldn't, you know, that kind of thing. And that's not, that's a gross generalization right. of my high school experience. But again, it, it overall, I wanted something more for my children. I wanted what they learned to change them um, for the better. There just wasn't uh, that kind of seeking out, how can what I'm reading, yeah. how can what I'm learning change me so that I can live that life well. Right. And yeah. I found it in you. I found it in those teachers that I mentioned yeah. and, and others, but they were the outliers. And I thought, why would I be in a system where those are outliers? Like that should be the whole educational project should be producing on the majority mm -hmm. people like this. Um, and so they seemed more, you seemed and these teachers, and they seemed more to be accidents who had escaped what the system was designed to produce. And I wanted something better. Um, so I wasn't the lowest common denominator? You were not the lowest common denominator. <laughs> and I was like, he's cool. Let's stay in touch through college. Yeah, we weren't dating, mm -mm. but he was really cool. So I wanted to homeschool to give my kids a fighting chance. Not a guarantee, um, but a fighting chance uh, of being those outliers and of finding connections with people who were also that way. Also, I went to college pretty sure that it wouldn't really matter if I wanted to homeschool my kids or not because I was going to be a nun. Yeah. How'd that work I out? I think I'll pass the How'd baton at this point. I have nothing else to say. Cut. <laughs> so I'm going to take over now. Yeah. I did <laughs> not get kicked out of homeschooling. So I was in general a pretty good kid. And I must say that even though I went to public school, mm -hmm. it was a very good public school. So it was a small town. My parents had gone to the same elementary school, the same high school that I eventually went to. And they were dedicated teachers. They were caring. They wanted to see students do their best. But it didn't end there. What happens was, as you pointed out, that students would start to get into these cliques and they would mm -hmm. start to 
drag each other down to sort mm-hmm. of the lowest common And through denimator. no fault of their yeah, own, right? through no fault it's of their own. human it nature, right? It was the right. part of with the Lord <clears throat> of the Flies, right? <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And so within this environment, this idea of homeschooling was very strange to me. It was, schooling was going away for most of the day. It was to spend time with other kids who were the same age as me, to navigate the social interactions of... Mm-hmm. Who was the cool, you know, who were cool, who wasn't, who was kind of awkward, what had happened. And that took a tremendous amount of mental energy. And at the time, I just thought that that was normal. That was part of what it meant to grow up in the schooling environment, what that was to be education. But as I got to high school, I too started to feel that kind of missing piece, that there mm-hmm. was this desire of education to be taking us somewhere, Mm -hmm. to be leading us somewhere. And I didn't really have the language at that time to think about it as leading us to a life well lived, leading us to Jesus Christ and the, um, the way, the truth and the life. But there was a deep desire in me and I think in my family and some of the friends that I had of this seeking of something more. And so I had a very good friend uh, starting in middle school, and that kind of got me through. I was able to be friends with many people just like you were, and that allowed me to sort of experience different aspects of high school, but it did leave me wanting more, leaving me wanting a deeper connection. Mm -hmm. And that's what I started to find in you. And while I did try and set you up with my best friend, (laughs) I I saw that you were seeking and I saw Mm -hmm. that there was a kindred spirit there. Mm -hmm. So in seeking that out, I started to ask myself the question of what led to that deeper desire. And I had known that Erica was homeschooled and initially that was just plain weird it was like well how did you learn how to be social and how did you learn things without uh, your teachers there like does your mom really know everything or what was it and in those conversations and in those arguments it became very clear that she wasn't at a disadvantage because she had homeschooled that in fact she had been given a gift and that gift had allowed her to develop a life of the mind and had allowed her to develop to develop a heart that loved rather than a heart that was just concerned about what other people thought. And I think that in high school, some people saw you as a little bit cold, Mm -hmm. but in some sense, I think it was reserving of that heart Mm -hmm. to, so that it wasn't damaged, right? Mm -hmm. And that actually was reconfirmed when I went to a summer program, um, the St. Paul's School Summer Program, And there I ran into another homeschooler, and she too was one of the most socially competent, intelligent, uh, well-spoken, was able to interact with people of all ages, whether they were younger or older adults. And that really started to change my view about homeschooling and what it actually provided. This changed even more as I went to college because I had seen all the way from early elementary school that college was the goal. And so I worked very hard. I I avoided getting into trouble because I wanted to be able to go to college. Well, when I got there, it was kind of a letdown. There were people that were intellectually engaged, but they weren't really morally engaged. They weren't really thinking through how to live a whole life. It was just, were they good at 
this particular subject or could they learn this or could they navigate the social environment of college and that that again sort of raised the question of what is it to live a good life and how do you find that and so i ended up kind of backing away from much of my peer group going from my freshman to my sophomore year and thinking about those questions. And so I too spent a lot of time, so you were more advanced and had done it in high school and in elementary school. I did it in college and spent a lot of time reading, spent a lot of time thinking, and thinking about who were the people that lived a life well. And so I was willing to be kind of weird and I didn't want to make fun of people and I didn't want to swear and I didn't want to do a lot of the things that the rest of the group was doing. And so that freedom of willing to be weird, willing to be <laughs> think a little differently and having a close connection because we kept mm -hmm, in touch through, did, yeah. through letters mm -hmm. and that was a great experience. It allowed mm -hmm. me to think, it gave me an outlet. And so when after graduation, we got married huh? Yay. almost 18 years ago, yeah. we <laughs> already were thinking about what do we want to mm -hmm. provide for our own children? What right. sacrifices are we willing to make? And what do we want for them for their schooling? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the schooling environment, as good as it was for me, I don't have a lot of complaints about what the school was trying to do, but we felt that we could offer our children so much more. Right. So even what the very best of what the public school could offer mm -hmm. would still pale in comparison to the freedom of giving our kids the time and time. the space to read and to think and to love one another and maintain mm -hmm. those connections those that are most important for the rest of their lives. Right. And so in sorry. thinking through Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> be real. And so even though the schools back then mm -hmm. had a lot of good aspects, and even though we saw that homeschooling would still be superior, that was amplified even further when we started to consider the school systems in which we found ourselves. Right. And that the bullying had increased, the online and internet access to mm -hmm. of kids to bully one another, the focus on testing. Yeah. Um, so my training is in neuroscience, and I'm a strong believer in a certain kind of testing. It is a very important benchmark for knowing whether progress is happening. But to make it the end-all be-all mm -hmm. in testing children to death, essentially, <laughs> that this was not something right. that we wanted for our own children. The test should serve the education, mm -hmm. not have the child serve the testing or serve the, right. the school district. Right, and it shouldn't be a punitive experience where kids are then sorted into groups of you're a good student and you're a struggling student. Um, testing should be something that informs the teachers and the guides on where they can, you know, all of that. And we very right. much were seeing the opposite of that happen um, for our peers whose kids were in the schools, um, et cetera. So, so we knew we wanted more. Yes. All right. So now we're, now we're married. We're both in grad school. And then the summer we had our first child, we were young, poor, in PhD programs and needed extra income. And so I took a part-time job tutoring at a tiny little hybrid uh, down outside of Atlanta, uh, which used portions of the Mother of Divine Grace uh, syllabi, 
which was uh, at the time one of the very few classical Catholic homeschool curriculum. So in that environment, I really got to know, even before, even when my oldest child was an infant, I really got to know um, an education that I had known for those five years I was homeschooled. And I realized that the richness of Mother of Divine Grace and other programs I was in contact with, like Colby, um, they were really just formalizing and making accessible to more families what my mother had instinctively sought for me. So many of the, the same ends uh, were being achieved, accomplished, and given to more families. And what I was seeing was the very best parts mm -hmm. of what I appreciated about my elementary yeah. and middle school and high school uh, experience was reading those books and asking mm -hmm. the questions and being in dialogue, mm -hmm. having that Socratic exchange, not just one amongst 30 other kids, but mm -hmm. being able to engage with older siblings and, and adults. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, um, seeing it in the context of a homeschooling community at the hybrid uh, was seeing the, the potential to have families who supported each other in this project. And that's something I had not experienced um, as a homeschool student myself just because of the time and place in which I was raised. Uh, so then we had some lean times, right, we in did. the homeschool. We Very did. lean times. I mean, graduate school with kids was tough. It was. It was hard. We in graduate school. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was tough, and we ended. I mean, we've been on WIC. I won't make any, you know, bones about it. We had very little money for books or supplies. We depended on the generosity of so many people on the homeschool community locally, on our parents. Um, colleagues, books, borrowing books, clothes. inheriting clothes, yeah. right? Um, but we were able to do it and to begin our children's early primary years of education in the home. Um, I finished up with my master's and then left the program uh, to focus on the kids uh, and other work. And so our first year of full-time homeschooling was our oldest's uh, first grade. That was also lean times. I was yes. <laughs> I was suffering from terrible back pain and yeah. postpartum depression after our third. Mm -hmm. um, so that we had just moved and yeah. relocated from Georg finishing the PhD program yeah. in Georgia up to UMass Amherst, where I was starting a postdoc. Yeah, it snowed every day all winter. It, did. it was it, a rough year. It was amazing. Whew, that was a rough year. Um, so it's one that I like to characterize as my unschooling experience. Yes. That was a bare minimum mode year. Um, and yes, but in spite of the pain, in spite of the fact that we had just moved, um, I found myself enjoying those moments at home uh, with my children and being able to take advantage of the libraries and the museums. And we were in right close to the Berkshire Mountains, uh, the Pioneer Valley, Massachusetts, one of the most beautiful places oh, to live yeah. in the world. And I found we were just outdoors in all weather, all the time. Um, we found uh, the, the, the greenhouse, greenhouse yeah. at uh, Mount Holyoke College, mm -hmm. and we spent hours in there. And while it was very difficult, and I was tremend under tremendous physical suffering and mental suffering, and you were just probably pulling your hair out while you were in the lab and we were trying to find a tenure track job for you. I mean, it was very stressful, but the moments that were the best were the moments that were made possible by the fact that we had chosen not to put our oldest in the public school for first grade. Um, and the moments that carried us through yeah. were those moments made possible by homeschooling. So although it was a tough year and we were definitely unschooling at certain points, 
um, we were confirmed in, in that choice. So in the midst of that year, we did actually get offered a job, <laughs> which initially was a little bit sad because it was going to take us a yeah, little farther from away New Hampshire. from New Hampshire yeah. by about an hour. Mm -hmm. But we felt called to do this. We had kind of stumbled across a beautiful parish in yeah, downtown. Yeah, St. Mary's in New Haven. Yeah. It's run by the Dominican Friars, province was, of St. Joseph. We were like, oh, we could raise our kids there. Yes. And yep. so that was very hopeful. <laughs> yes. And so we went ahead. We took the leap. We took that position and we moved our three kids after a very tough year um, yeah. down an hour further away. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being an, a tremendous blessing. Yeah. And so this, this next year, our oldest was in second grade and we did, um, we kind of put together again, Mother of Divine Grace curriculum, uh, IEW, Institute for Excellence in Writing, and some Catholic Heritage curricula um, for second grade and now a kindergartner. So we're adding on the, the more school-aged children. Uh, with four other families, I ran a two-day-a-week hybrid school for girls out of our home. Um, and that was for about a year until we established a larger, um, we helped establish a larger uh, hybrid community up in uh, Hartford area. Mm -hmm. So we were continuing to seek out this community uh, style of homeschooling. Um, back in the hybrid, I pregnant again, child number four, unschooling again, unschooling, because yes. I'm not very good at being pregnant. I mean, the, the babies are great, but yes. uh, I, I have hyperemesis, so that's fun. Um, and working uh, full-time, I continued to seek out best practices and just spend as much time as I could um, with families who were living the life, right? They were living the classical education life. They were living that family culture that I so much wanted to raise my kids in and just, you know, gleaning from them uh, that that knowledge and that yeah. that praxis, right? And that for me, it was it was just beautiful to see you take the philosophy training yeah. that you'd had oh. as a graduate student yes. and be able to apply that and be mm -hmm. able to see how you could take these deep thinkers or even frustrating thinkers <laughs> and yep. distill it down to living a life mm -hmm. well lived, to living a life. Um, that was raising kids that seemed very yeah. far away from philosophy. Right, right. It's like philosophy brought down to the changing table, exactly. if you will, or yeah. in the kitchen. Brilliant. Philosophy of the kitchen. Um, so I was, and I was blogging about that, um, and I worked, I did work full-time for almost eight years um, as the director of education for the hybrid, and I learned a lot there from uh, other families who were classically educating their kids and doing consults for them, homeschool consults. And now we're back to full-time homeschooling yeah. and building Verity Ed. And it's been quite the journey. Um, yeah, yeah, so since 2011, we've been a family where we both work. Uh, we're both involved in education. Uh, you're a university professor at Quinnipiac University, neuroscience and psychology. Is that yes. the right way of putting it? It is. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know what he's doing. All right. And we've found a few things that work well that are, you know, no matter what's happening, uh, they help us kind of keep going. And one is that we both have chosen work that might not be the most lucrative, but it's flexi schedules, right? So university that's not like research one, publisher mm -hmm. parish and uh, work from home. So that's always been a necessity for my work. And it really was mm -hmm. to, again, manifest what we had hoped from the very beginning, which was to provide our kids a way that they could be at home, 
that they could explore the intellectual life, that they could mm -hmm. read books, that they could spend time together, they could spend time playing, mm -hmm. and that that was really important for us. And yeah. those are the decisions we made. And then we also felt very strongly that given our backgrounds, that we had things to offer to other families. Mm -hmm. And so spending that time on sort of that mission, uh, yeah. which Verity yet is the, yeah. the current... Is the, cur is the current uh, iteration, iteration of, the, of yes. that mission. And um, that we shouldn't just keep our gifts and our wonderful life that we've been given to ourselves, but that um, we should seek to share it in however we can with the world. Um, yeah. And we both, we both run the house. I mean, it's not like I do, yeah. I mean, as much as possible. It's not the cleanest mm. house because <laughs> there's six kids here all the time. Yes. Uh, some of whom are pre-rationale. Yes. A lot of pre-rationality. <laughs> A lot of pre-rationality yes. going on. Um, we definitely just depend on family and friends for support, especially, as I mentioned, during my pregnancies, um, that we've been blessed with many children, but they are difficult times and just... Uh, needing that we've we depend on our weekly meetings yes to like plan the week together divvy yeah. up the work time homeschooling what's going to be the strategic go this week yeah. uh and all, all of these different strategies that we've developed in, in the our parish marriage, community and the been, parish community yeah. mm -hmm. very supportive so yeah developing these strategies and articulating them uh, hopefully to help other families is one of our missions with verity ed um yeah i think and that, are, yeah. and that is one of the areas where we continue to struggle and to, mm -hmm. to work on it. Yeah. We still have difficulty finding time to go on dates. We think yes. it's very important. We've written it down. We try to schedule it. But we live life with six kids and yeah. with Things competing happen. interests. Emergency so room visits. While we... Blue. Yeah. <laughs> we can keep going. I know. Yeah. Like, let's be real. <laughs> and that this is something that mm -hmm. every family that's trying to do this is going to struggle yeah. with. It's and a constant process of live, of planning it, living it, and then revisiting it. Um, and it's a constant revisiting because as children grow, they change. As life goes on, different slings and arrows, as yes. my favorite saying, are thrown upon you. Um, yeah. So it's been good. Uh, yeah. And right there, sort of at the spine of our family culture is the homeschooling mm -hmm. and that that really orients so much of what it is that we do. Mm -hmm. And I think having your background and what you've learned mm -hmm. helps shape that because it it is manifest not just in our educational life, but also in our liturgical life and mm -hmm. also the way that we approach the seasons and that that's been a really beautiful thing mm -hmm. um, for our home yeah. and it's created a culture where learning isn't separate but it's in fact inherent mm -hmm. in what it is that we're doing right right exactly and I think um, that making it inherent making education and formation inherent and something that the kids see us doing for ourselves as well to make it a lifelong project that this isn't just something you do till you're 22 or 28 if you go to grad school but it's it's a lifelong process to becoming a better rounded a, a happier happier yeah. human person so now we are back at the where the heck are we stage of life is that yeah. what this is called i think that's where the hell's going yeah. on um yeah <laughs> we have older kids we have old teenagers we have elementary school we have infant little, little very little kids and it's just all over the place yeah uh, so yeah, I feel like we should be experts. But we're not. But we're not. We're not. Like, and shouldn't we know how to do this by now? 
Absolutely. <laughs> but we are fairly confident that the culture that we've created, this idea of homeschooling, the classical approach mm -hmm. has really served us well in shaping and providing guides on that culture. And so as things change, as children get older and they encounter problems or questions that we hadn't anticipated. Our learning we struggles. Have, yeah, our learning yeah. struggles. We have a foundation that is strong and we have guides. We have a reference point mm -hmm. um, that we can use to decide how best to make the decision. Right. Uh, whether it's the oldest kids or the youngest kids. Mm -hmm. Right. So... That's where we're at now. Uh, that's our homeschool story, and it's not finished yet. <laughs> there are definitely uh, difficult moments, um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade it for the world either. We this get to do it together. A great Yay. ride, and we're just so blessed <laughs> mm -hmm. to have this opportunity, not only to homeschool our own kids, but then to create a... Mm -hmm. um, Resource. Yes. Yeah, to, to help, hopefully help others if this is helpful. Um, so we're very grateful and we're grateful to all of you here on patreon thank you for again for your support we couldn't do it without you and we can't wait to see what the future holds so thank you again if you are not yet subscribed on our youtube channel please hit the subscribe button if you're watching this on youtube please give it a thumbs up and just write truth in the comments because we want truth and that's what and the Mary truth added. is. The truth will set you yes. free. The truth will set you free. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for watching. And we will see you next time on Verity Ed. Cheers. <laughs>